0: I'm going
1: another edition of Hoop Talk. My name is Ryan. There's my guy Jalen.
0: What's up, what's up, everybody?
1: Today we're going over the Western Conference to see how the Western Conference shakes out in the playoffs. Now, before we start, I do have to say these are the top eight teams right now. Obviously, with the plan, everything could change. We don't know if the seeding will change, but this is what we're going off right now with the top eight teams. All right, so the first series one seed versus the 8 seed, the LA Lakers versus the Memphis Grizzlies. Jalen, how much of a fight do you think the Grizzlies
0: are going to put up, or do you see this as more of a sweep? Sweep, vacuum cleaner, the whole nine. It's, they're, they're getting clean house, and it's not going to be pretty. I love John Morant to death. I love this young squad. Triple J is getting in his bag right now in terms of developing that three-point shot. I think that picking up Justice Winslow might have been one of the sneakiest picks all season in in terms of teams trading for players this year. And getting that value out of Andre Iguodala was huge. But LeBron James, by himself, has held down better teams. And this is a young Memphis team that under Taylor Jenkins has definitely um, overachieved this season, no matter what anybody sees in the Pelicans who are coming up strong later on in the year, um, the Spurs, who have a tradition of making the playoffs in spite of teams like that, the trailblazers who really only fell off because of injury, but nonetheless Memphis was able to take advantage of that and not only outperform the expectations that came with them this season, but they were able to solidify a playoff spot. And I think that's going to be great experience for a young team like this. But in the moment, it's not going to feel that great because I feel like LeBron James, AD, the combination of those two is just going to be too much and the Lakers are going to win it four. What I'm going to ask you, because I think we kind of understand already that the Lakers are the favorite in this. What I want to ask you is, who do you think, if LeBron James is having an off day, if AD is having an off day, who is the player on the Lakers that you say is going to step up in a playoff scenario if a young Grizzly team decides to get hot and we need a player, we, the, the Lakers need a player to stop the bleeding?
1: This, this is a good one. There's a lot of players. I think there's a couple of players on this team that could work. And I think number one is Danny Green. I think Danny Green has the playoff experience needed. I think he knows when to get hot. And people forget sometimes how great of a two-way player he is. And I think that always gets swept under the rug with him. Some days he's kind of quiet on the offensive end, but he always makes up for it on the defensive end. That's why I I think Danny Green's a guy who can really – can really make something happen number two is avery bradley another guy who i feel like gets overlooked on this team considering again lebron and anthony davis if you're playing on the same team as those guys of course there's a chance that people may overlook you but i think with a guy like avery bradley again he's played on a couple different uh playoff caliber teams i think he has great shooting ability from beyond the arc I think if you need a good scoring option when LeBron and AD aren't on the floor, I think uh, Avery Bradley is a good guy to have. And this is going to be a weird one, but number three is Dwight Howard. I think, listen, Dwight Howard hasn't been in the playoffs for a while. I think if we're seeing a different side of Dwight Howard, I think he's going to turn back the clock and give us magic Dwight Howard. He's, He's, again, I think one of the more underrated signings in the league. And I was really excited when they picked him up because I think they needed somebody to compliment uh, Anthony Davis. And I think Dwight Howard is the guy. I I think the only thing that really concerns me about the Lakers going far is the play that they have when LeBron and AD aren't on the floor. Like, is Danny Green going to step up? Is Avery Bradley going to shoot the ball well? Will Dwight Howard be a factor in this series? Again, like, I agree with you. There's no doubt that uh, this is going to be a sweep. I think, you know, John Morant and Jaron Jackson, I think they definitely have star star potential. They have star power. Uh I, I think right now is not the series that they're gonna thrive. But yeah, I, I think if I'm looking at factors besides LeBron and A D, look to Danny Green, Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard.
0: Well I'll tell you this much. One series that is not gonna be a sweep whatsoever is the Clippers versus the Mavericks. We're talking about two teams that have some serious star power with Christos Porzingis, Luka Doncic, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Throw Lou Williams in there. Throw Patrick Beverly in there. I mean, both teams are scary. My question to you, in a series with so many names, with two renowned coaches in the league and Rick Carlisle, and Doc Rivers, who do you have in a series like this where stars are definitely aligning, but the the play style of the two rosters could not be more different?
1: Clippers in six, and here's why. I think the Mavs give them a lot of trouble. I'm not going to undermine the Mavericks. I think that this team definitely has a future ahead of them with Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Ironically enough, they are actually my X-Factors in this series because this is the first playoff series for each of them. If you remember, Chris has never made the playoffs with the New York Knicks. I is a remember. This is going to be a first for them. So how well are they going to do? And is the pressure going to be too much? I think outside of those guys, I don't see really anyone on the Mavericks that can give the Clippers a hard time on the floor the clippers have a lot of depth going into these games like we said Lou Williams, Harold Charmet, Pat Patterson, Jermichael Green coming off the bench. I mean, not to forget that you have Morris on the floor and of course Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Yavika Zubak. I think there's so much star there there's so much like depth on the floor for the clippers. I don't see the Mavs having that yet. I think that they're going to acquire they they're a lot like the Pacers. I think the Mavs and the Pacers are two similar teams because they're both kind of young. They don't have a lot of star power yet. I think Victor Oladipo is the clear star on the Pacers. I think Luka is the clear star on the Mavericks. But Porzingis is a nice like Porzingis is a nice like he's part of a nice duo with uh, Luka, much like Miles Turner is a, is part of a nice duo with Victor Oladipo in Indiana. So I think there's still a lot of growing to do for the Mavericks. Not yet, but in time, I think they will definitely make the playoffs and go far. As for right now, the Clippers in six. I
0: have to agree with you. Honestly, we are scary on the same page in terms of the comparison. I definitely see a ton of the Pacers in Dallas. And like you said before, I mean, even if we were to weigh Luka versus Victor, even in two seasons, I'm taking Luca. I've loved Luca since before he was drafted. So there's the translation that he's had to the NBA game that just shows that he's got a pro savvy. And it's something that has made him stand out early, something that Victor Oladipo did not get the chance to do playing for the Magic, playing for the Thunder in the past. But like you said before, I feel like there's a, a young duo on both teams. With a, a pretty pretty balanced roster around them with Dallas, I mean, they have a lot of just different guys, I would say. JJ, uh, J.J. Barea is one that is starting to get on the decline a little bit, but he's always been a bit of a producing guard for that team in the past. Their roster as a whole is just one of those similar to Indiana that – you don't know maybe everybody on the team, but their collective group is one that is not going to be a tough out on a night-to-night basis. Like you said beforehand, I think that players like Seth Curry off the bench for Matt, for the Mavericks and um, Jalen Brunson at the guard spot, Dwight Powell at the forward spot, are they ready to take up uh, the challenge of going up against well-renowned bench players in Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. Are they ready for Marcus Morris off the bench to maybe drop 20 on their head one day? Are they ready for the onslaught shooting? There's Landry who who is slept on for this roster, to be honest. Like you said before, I really think that this is going to be a series that is competitive, but a series that shows that, similar to the Grizzlies, Dallas is – a year or two too early and the series against the Clippers is going to again be good good experience but it's not going to feel great in the midst of the series itself
1: yeah Yeah, I I think once again I think you hit on the head the Pacers the Mavs they're very similar about a year or two too early I'm not discounting the Mavs. I think the Mavericks are a good team. Like, Luka has been solid this season, and you put him in with Porzingis, they kind of remind me of Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki in the uh, late 90s. That's just yeah. – I, I just get, like, great nostalgia from seeing that. It's just crazy how, like, Luca, how well Luka fits in Rick Carlisle's system. I think he's just able to just freely work with the ball, and then you give him a compliment like Chris Epps Porzingis, and that's just – it's a match made in heaven. But I want to ask you about this next series because – I I see a possibility for an upset. The Nuggets and the Rockets, the three seed versus the six seed. Jalen, do you think the Rockets will have what it takes to
0: upset the Nuggets? Emphatic yes. Emphatic yes. And my reason why is this is a series where it's two high-octane offenses going at one another, And I really believe that it's a series that comes down to you versus the guy in front of you. The matchups directly. Do the Rockets have a solid big man right now? If P.J. Tucker counts, then maybe. But I can't count a 6'6 center as being a solid big man per se. But let's look down the roster. Former MVP Russell Westbrook. Former MVP James Harden. Scary once was a six-man-of-the-year candidate, also was selected as six-man-of-the-year in the past in Eric Gordon. Robert Covington is probably one of the most slept-on forwards in the league right now. I think that no matter how much people were uh, down on the small ball lineup that was the Rockets throughout the back half of this season – it plays to the strengths of the players they have. It allows them to play five out they're all they've They've always been a three three ball shooting team at heavy clips for like probably the last two to three years and The best part about the whole situation is it's the first time we've ever seen Russell Westbrook in the playoffs without a big man to clog the lane. I mean, I love Steven Adams, but we're talking about a highway to the basket here. There's no hate against Jamal Murray, but I'm not putting my money on him to block him. I'm more so putting my money on Jamal Murray being a turnstile all series. With that being the case, though, I have to take the Rockets, but it's going to be in six games because Denver is no slouch. Denver is giving a lot of teams a run for their money. And although they don't have the home court advantage of the altitude and stuff like that, like they're typically used to having, especially last uh, last postseason, Watch out for the name Michael Porter Jr. First season on the court, and he was really starting to catch his feet as the season was progressing along as they started to slowly insert him into the starting lineup as Paul Millsap is starting to kind of take more of a veteran leadership approach to his position on the roster rather than being a steady contributor. That is going to be a player alongside Gary Harris, Jokic, Jamal Murray, that could really turn the fortunes of the Nuggets. But again, you can't really rely on a young player like him to be the deciding factor. And I just think that with that being the case, the Rockets have way too many aces that I can bet my money on. But who do you think on the Rockets is the biggest proponent of how they get out the first round? Is it Russell Westbrook, who hasn't sniffed the second round since KD left? Or is it James Harden, who is facing the burden of being in a season where his biggest nemesis and the Golden State Warriors is not here anymore, at least for this postseason? I want to say,
1: first of all, I think we're not only reading from the same page. I think we're reading the same book. I, I seriously feel like the Rockets, they win in six games – but I also feel like if we're picking somebody who is a proponent, I think it's Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook has no fans that are going to distract him. And keep in mind, we've seen him get in altercations with fans before, but it's like there's going to be no fans. So this is, this is the best thing that could have happened for Russell Westbrook. This is also the f- best thing that could have happened for, Russell, for uh, Russell Westbrook because this is the first time that him and James Harden have been in the playoffs for six years. I think that this is a duo that they're older. I think they know what they need. They know what they want. I think they know how to play together. I think they're gelling together on the court. It's almost like a flashback to when they were on the Thunder, except James, Hard- James Harden was on the bench. for. Uh, I think he was the sixth man, mainly. But if I'm looking in depth in this series, the Rockets' small ball, the way they're able to play with smaller guys – five out, like you said, I think it's going to be that play that actually helps them. Now, I I kind of have to laugh because, yes, P.J. Tucker is their center and he's 6'5". They don't have a guy on their team that's bigger than 6'8". Honestly, it's actually working for them considering they have 40 wins this year. So that's why, that's why I'm like, you know what, I don't know if I'm ready to sleep on the Rockets. Like you said, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, former MVPs, Eric Gordon's a great three-point shooter, He's absolutely ready to be a starter now. After serving his time on the bench, being the sixth man, now he's ready to take over the three. Robert Covington, the one thing that people don't talk, that don't praise Robert Covington on is his defense. He is one of the better defenders in the league today. And I think if you match him up with Millsap, if you match him up with Michael Porter Jr., he's going to lock it down. I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to lock it down. And then, of course, P.J. Tucker is the center. Obviously, that doesn't seem right, but you know what? I, if, it, if it works, it works. If the shoe fits, then wear it. I'm looking at the Nuggets, and listen, this, this, is a, this is tough for them because they have stars on this team. Jamal Murray is a bona fide star one day. Nikola Jokic is one of the best centers in the game or centers, power forwards in the game. I think Gary Harris is also great. He's, he's one of the more underrated shooting guards in the league and Michael Porter jr. I think will be a star one day. I think they need, I think he needs more time to develop. I think, yes, having Paul Millsap there to help him develop and give him veteran advice and leadership. I think that definitely works him up Porter's favor. But for right now, I mean, you know, maybe he has a great series. Maybe, he, maybe people will talk about him as the star of this team one day. Right now, I think this is not going to work in favor of the Nuggets. I think the small ball approach is going to work for the Rockets in this series.
0: I can't help to agree with you in terms of that. Like I said, we're definitely on the same page. I think that it's a series that, you know, on paper looks like a toss-up to a certain extent. Both teams have their deficiencies. Both teams are not crazy when it comes to being uh playing on the defensive end um both teams are high high three point shooting teams but i think it just comes down to having two mvps i mean really at the end of the day i think that's what it comes down to i think going into the next series that we're on i think the difference between the rockets going from the rockets to the nuggets to the thunder versus utah i feel like versus two teams with high expectations we're now moving into a series where both teams, very contrasting when it comes to entering the year. The Thunders, similar to the Raptors, like we talked about on a past episode. A team that was supposed to clean house, supposed to completely shove everybody out the door. They were supposed to have, a they, they do have a litany of picks that can probably get them through as long as I'm alive. And they have Shea Gilges Alexander leading the way, but... On the back of players like Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, Stephen Adams, I mean, they have stepped up in a big way versus a team like Utah, who came in with a ton of expectation this year. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, which we'll see if he stays on the roster this summer. Having Bogdan Bogdanovich signed this offseason, trading for Mike Conley, They were supposed to have a very scary starting five and potentially one of the best starting fives in the entire NBA. Who do you think comes out in a matchup between two teams that didn't enter this season on the same page, but looking at them on paper now almost seems like a squared up fight between two evenly matched squads?
1: I don't know if you want to call it an upset. I think the Thunder win this series. I think they win it in six games. Actually, actually, not six games. I say five games. I think the Jazz are a very competitive team. They've always been competitive. I think that they're slightly better than the Pacers. I think just in terms of like talent, like Donovan Mitchell is a star. I think Rudy Gobert. It definitely depends with Rudy Gobert now because I don't know if he's going to be there next season. But they just lost Bogdanovich for the season. He was one of their best shooters, and that's 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 just it's it's tough for them because when you lose a guy like uh, Bogdanovich, who's a great perimeter shooter, he sh- he has a great shooting ability overall. I think this is where it's going to hurt them. Who's going to step up and take his place? And that's where I feel like I have to go with Oklahoma City. Because coming off the bench, Dennis Sugar is a 19-point-a-game guy. Danilo Gallinari, always slept on. 19 points a game this season. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I think he's been able to shine in Billy Donovan's system. 19 points a game for him as well. Chris Paul, veteran, 15 years experience. I think if he wins this series it gives him a little bit more confidence to move forward but the problem is he hasn't really been able to make it outside the semifinals since his time with the Rockets. So I think that's definitely going to factor in. I think with the with the Thunder they just seem like a dark horse in the West.
0: I definitely think that they are a dark horse in the West and moving into the semifinals I think this is where things get a lot more interesting with teams like the Rockets, who we presumed as being an upset in the first round, with the Thunder, who are an overachieving squad that ended up getting out of the first round, being a team that we didn't even expect in the playoffs by this time. First matchup against the Lakers and the Rockets, I have to say that I have them in a tough seven-game series where LeBron James and AD again step up against a team that is outweighed, <laughs> out. Height. (laughs) I mean, they are outpowered. I mean, they are out of it when it comes to this matchup. No matter how, I guess you could say, no matter how they stack up from a star versus star standpoint. I think this is the kind of series where not having a big man unfortunately gets exploited. In the past, the Rockets have failed because they have relied too much on the three point shot to the point that they live by the three and die by the three. I think in a situation like this, this is the part where they get died by the dunk. AD is going to occupy the paint a ton. I think this is a series where JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, as you said earlier, get a lot of run. Maybe not crazy minutes off the bench, but the good type of spark plug minutes where they can give them a combined 15, 17 points coming off the bench. as just big men that force P.J. Tucker to see different looks. And I think this is the part where the Lakers size across their roster really favors them in a matchup like this. It's going to be tough. Like I said, definitely seven game series, but I think this is the one where this is the, this is the series where AD kind of puts his stamp on the Lakers in terms of this postseason.
1: So you remember how I said that small ball would work in the last series with the Rockets and the Nuggets. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not working. I'm sorry. It's not. Um, (laughs) I, I we said that PJ Tucker was six five. His matchup is more or less Javale McGee, who is what six eleven, seven feet, maybe at most seven foot one. This is just going to backfire because they have they're going to rely on the shot and the three point shot specifically. I'm going to say that the Lakers win this in five. I don't wow. really I don't really give the Rockets much of a, much of a chance in this series. I I think. You know, the Lakers have have guys that can show up. LeBron can show up for these big games. AD is going to show up for these big games. But can his teammates show up? And I, that's where I was talking about earlier with Danny Green, Avery Bradley, and Dwight Howard. We can not also discount that Kyle Kuzma, Morris, KCP, Alex Caruso. You need the extra factors coming off the bench along with Dwight Howard. Of course, I, I still have my questions with Danny Green, Avery Bradley, and Dwayne Howard. Are, I like them as scoring options when LeBron and AD are not on the floor and or struggling. I think that with the Rockets, it's tough because there's no doubt that Russ and Harden are going to have good games where they shoot the ball well. But they're also going to have these bad games where they're shooting below 35%. I think Russ is does not need to shoot as much this series. We've seen him shoot. 15, 20 three-pointers a game and Harden scores a lot of points but he's not shooting that well. Russ just needs to avoid shooting the ball as much as possible. He needs to let Harden do most of the work but also with Eric Gordon because people, like like I said earlier, people forget that Eric Gordon's a great three-point shooter. Russ works better with the ball in his hands. I think if he can just drive it to the lane, shoot mid-range, I think that works better for him. He can take three-pointers if he has open looks. But I think Harden needs to take advantage of this series to prove that he's the face of this organization now. I also think, once again, Eric Gordon, great three-point shooter, you get the ball in his hands as much as possible as well. I think, like I said, with the LeBron and the Lakers, this is a prime opportunity to go to the Western Conference Finals. The Rockets will win one game, at most two. I, I definitely don't see the series as a sweep for the Lakers. I definitely think Harden and Ross are going to have some good games in the series. But I think the small ball is definitely going to backfire in this
0: series. Moving along, honestly, I have to say that one series that does look nearly like a sweep is this Clippers versus Thunders series right here. I have to say personally that although I love this Thunder team and the way they're built up and just the way they've been able to overcome odds and expectations this season, this is one of those series where I just feel like you got a bad matchup. Under love to play a three-guard set with Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis-Alexander all running at the same time. Unfortunately for them, Kawhi Leonard can pretty much play one through four, one through five, mainly one through four. Paul George can play one through three, bare minimum. Patrick Beverly will guard anyone. <laughs> and then you throw on top of that, the litany of bodies that they can throw at a guard setup like that. They don't even need to, and they can. That's the scary part about it. I have to say that this is one of those where, unfortunately, Chris Paul just keeps running into the wrong people at the wrong time. And catching the Clippers in the second in the second round of the playoffs, in the form that they are in right now, in terms of how many players they can throw at them, and the fact that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George – are two MVP caliber players on the floor I just think that the Clippers outweigh them in every category I mean top to bottom from starting five coaching which I think is huge because although Billy Donovan has done well this season I have way more faith in Doc Rivers and then of course the bench which the Thunder have a lot of young guys like Hamadou Diallo coming off the bench Terrence Ferguson players like that that still although they might be able to get out the first round I think as things get tougher and you play championship caliber teams like the Clippers that it's going to be hard for them to hold up I say they're out in five, though
1: I think the Thunder will provide for an interesting matchup this series I think if OKC pulls out a victory or two in the series or maybe even the series itself, which is a bit of a stretch to say that the Thunder may upset the the Clippers in this series. But if it happens, I feel like it's going to be because of Danilo, Shea, and Chris Paul. Now I know Dennis Schroeder is going to provide that extra scoring they need off the bench, but Chris Paul is going to need to be the guy that needs to take it to these to the Clippers. It's just it's gonna, it's gonna a shame because the Clippers are just too good of a team right now. I think that the Clippers have a loaded roster, like I said earlier, and Williams and Harrell are going to be factors coming off the bench. I say Clippers in six.
0: So I definitely don't think we should keep the people waiting in terms of this next one because, I mean, it is the most anticipated series that pretty much started from the minute Kawhi Leonard said he was going – to the Clippers we've got we've both end up having the Clippers and the Lakers making the finals before you tell me how many games before you tell me who is your x-factor who is the player that we need to watch out for what coach you trust the most the real question was the real question that I have for you is did we see this coming all along or is this just one of those things that It was just meant to happen. Is it one of those things that we needed to have happen this season? I
1: think this is the perfect timing to have this series. Two teams playing their best basketball at the right time. And I think that you count the the star power on both squads, Kawhi and Paul George on one side, LeBron and AD on the other this is the most anticipated series in the playoffs. This is significant because this is the first time the Los Angeles Clippers will have made the Western Conference Finals in their franchise history. In in their franchise history. Think about that. So the Lakers have been the superior team for a very long time. But the Clippers have had spots or the Clippers have had teams where they've been able to show that at points that they've been better than the Lakers. I think that Lob City team, they could have been better than the Lakers at that time. But if I'm looking at this series, I think the Clippers win this in seven games. This is going to be one of the best series in a NBA playoff history. I think if, once again, if you account the star power with Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron, and A.D., And then you look at the supporting cast Lou Williams and uh, Harrell and Zubach and Marcus Morris on the Clippers, Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard, Danny Green, Markeith Morris, Kyle Kuzma on the Lakers. I think this is going to make for one of the best playoff series that we've seen in a very long time. Now, keep in mind, depth is crucial in this series. I think the Clippers have a much deeper roster than the Lakers. I think this is going to be beneficial for the Clippers because they're going to have more scoring options on the bench, just waiting to come into the game. You give Kawhi and Paul George a break. You could put in Williams and you could put in Harrell and you could put in Shemet and you could put in Green. All of these guys are scoring options, just, just bona fide scoring options coming off the bench for the Clippers. The Lakers have the same scoring options. They have they have very good scoring options. But if we're comparing it to the Clippers in terms of depth, I have to choose the Clippers. And I think that this series is going to be very even. And I'm going to go on record to say that each game will be decided by less than five points.
0: Wow. Honestly, the funny part about this is with everything that you said – I feel like the series was decided before the ball even goes up. And the reason why I say that is the last taste that the Lakers had in their mouth when it came to the Clippers was an ale. The Clippers have sustained a psychological advantage over the Lakers since the tip-off of the season. They won the first matchup to start the year off. They won the second matchup afterwards, which was crucial because some people just thought, hey, both teams are adjusting to themselves. The Clippers have a deeper roster. They showed out, but they showed out again. The fact that, you know, Kawhi has really stepped up and stepped out of his comfort zone to a certain extent to kind of flex his L.A. roots has been a big thing when it comes to his comparisons to LeBron James in terms of how everybody's been debating who is the next best player in the league, who is the best player in the league right now. I think that ironically enough, the battle of LA was never a battle to begin with. And the only reason why it even seemed close was because of LeBron James. I think this is a series that definitely goes to seven games in terms of competition. But I feel like it's one of those series that we're going to get that's as back and forth as it can get but it's just simply going to come down to the storyline and I have to lean with the Clippers because of what they built how they built it what they stand for as the other LA team what Kawhi Leonard would be accomplishing if he ends up getting to the finals leading a third team to the NBA finals doing it in both conferences. This. That would be monumental. And as monumental as getting LeBron James to the finals again, sounds like it would be this is this is also a LeBron James with limited time. And although he hasn't necessarily lost a step, he is in a position where the guard is going to slowly be handed over. And I think Kawhi Leonard decides instead of waiting to be handed it, he decides to take it himself. So I've got him in seven. With that being the case, though, you know we cannot end the Western Conference Finals segment without moving to the NBA Finals where we both have two very different matchups to a certain extent in terms of what our Finals prediction is. So I have the Clippers versus the Celtics, and you have
1: – The Clippers versus the Bucks.
0: So in terms of you having the Bucks in and me having the Celtics – one thing that stayed consistent is the Clippers. Before we pick our teams in terms of who we think comes out with Larry O'Brien trophy this year, what is it about the finals matchup that you have that you feel like is so unique to the way this year went, to the way the teams match up, things like that?
1: So I think my finals matchup specifically is interesting just because it's a, story, it's a new storyline. The Los Angeles Clippers have never been to the Western Conference Finals in their history. That's going back to the 70s when they were the San Diego Clippers. The thing that's really interesting for me is that I think it's time for them to claim the city of L.A. It's almost, it's not really a battle. I think this is the ending of a war. I think with the Lakers being so dominant for as long as they've had and the Clippers being mediocre at points and then really good, but not great. I think that this is the time for the Clippers to take over and claim the city of LA for one year. I think they just need, I think they need it for one year to establish to, to reestablish their confidence. If I'm looking at the books, I think the pieces we we've been saying for, for the show, the pieces that surround the star. Giannis has a lot of pieces that that he can work with, with Bledsoe, Matthews, Connaughton, DiVincenzo, Middleton. I think that it's it's going to be the pieces that really help Giannis in this series. The thing that's also interesting is how deep these rosters are. I said in a previous episode that the Bucs have the deepest roster in the East. The Clippers have the deepest roster in the West. If you're looking at it in terms of depth, these are two of the deepest squads in the NBA.
0: I really love the way you ended that point because I think that's what my reason for why I like the matchup that I have in the Clippers versus the Celtics is, is the uniqueness and the impact that depth will have this season. I think the most interesting thing about this year with everything that has gone on is that this could potentially be one of the first NBA finals that we see potentially in NBA history where the word depth actually means something to who becomes the champion. You know, there's always the saying of stars are the ones who win you games in this, leagues, in this league. It's one of those things where the role players are the guys that are the foundation of the team, but the star is the one who puts you over the top. I don't see anybody coming out of this coronavirus hiatus playing 40 minutes a game. I don't see anybody coming out of this coronavirus on full tilt, you know, playing five in, maybe calling in their bench guy here and there. Um, I see this as being a year where the deeper the team, the better the chances and um, I guess just to get right into who, we, who we're who we picking, that's why I have the Clippers in seven against the Celtics. I truly believe that this is a series that could go either way, no matter how the matchups might look, Jason Tatum versus Kawhi Leonard, Jalen Brown versus Gordon Hayward, the whole nine. I think that the Clippers just have everything leaning in their favor. I feel like they're the team that built themselves to be on the rise this year. They're the team that built themselves to be in this this moment. And I think that a player like Marcus Morris or maybe even Reggie Jackson, for God's sake, has a Fred Van Vliet style series similar to what similar, similar to how Fred Van Vliet kind of almost stepped out of his own body last last postseason um as a scorer for that Raptors team. And I think that the Clippers have all the stars aligned in a way where they win in a tough back and forth series that really could go either way. And I think that the Clippers just kind of come out on top, just purely, purely off of the stars aligning, similar to last year for Kawhi Leonard.
1: I've had—I actually have a question before we like start, so or before I give my finals pick. There has always been that role player for each of the championship teams that hits a big shot. Robert Ory with the Spurs, and then even with the Lakers as well. Steve Kerr with the Bulls in Game 5 of the 97 Finals. Ron Artest, even for the Lakers. Who do you see as a guy that can be a key role player that with the ball in his hands can
0: make a big shot? Lou Williams, I feel like it's the easy answer, it's the quickest answer, it's the right answer. You know, it's all the answers to be honest with you. It's one of those where, I mean, it's almost it would not it's not corny to call him an X factor, but it's almost undermining to call him an X factor at this time. That boy's a factor. Period. Point blank. You might as well pencil him in about ten to fifteen per game minimum in terms of contributing to this team. I feel like honestly. That is a player who has been a closer for that team in the past, has been a closer in some respects this year. He plays starters minutes. He's used to stepping up beyond whatever position he's being put in, whether he's the sixth man, the starting guard for a game here and there, whatever the case is, he is used to kind of stepping up beyond whatever his his position asks him to do. And I think that's one of the players that will define – the Clippers in this championship run.
1: I wanted to ask you that because I actually had the same answer for uh, the Clippers. I think Lou Williams is a guy coming off the bench. I think he's he's probably the first guy that I would think of. The second guy I would say is Landry Shamet. I think he's he's a guy who can come in and maybe hit a couple of huge shots in a game, and that's the only purpose that he's really needed for on the court. I agree that I think the Clippers are going to win in my series. I think they're going to win in seven. The Bucks, I have put up a a huge fight in the playoffs. But is Middleton going to show up? Is Bloods going to show up? Is Matthews going to show up? Those are the questions. I have too many questions with the Bucks right now because I think deeper. I, I think when they go deeper in the playoffs, I have more questions about who's going to show up. Is Giannis even going to show up for the, for the? the finals. That's the thing. Like he's never been to the finals before outside. He's been to Eastern conference finals. He's never been to the finals. I don't really have a lot of questions with the Clippers. I have a lot of answers about who's going to hit the big shots. Who's going to be there to defend. Who's going to be the, the big inside presence. Who's going to be a huge three. Who's going to shoot the ball well when needed. I don't have any questions about the Clippers. I have more questions about the Bucs. And that's why I think the Clippers are going to win seven games.
0: I mean, I think that's the big thing about it. I think all the stars just have to align. But I think the, the Clippers have more than luck on their side in terms of this, se- this season. They've built their roster to be championship-esque the way that they have more than just one superstar. And I think in a series against the Bucks or the Celtics, I just feel like, everything says Clippers to me this year for sure for sure
1: so you and I have the same finals pick we're both going with the Clippers All mm-hmm. all right well that's it for us today here on Hoop Talk on the next episode we're going to break down first takes top 15 primetime players